Welcome, everybody, to episode five of Casually Concerned. It's been a really long time, and the world is really different now. We are currently in quarantine slash social isolation. Today's episode is going to be about self-image, but really like notions related to weight, I guess, and self-concepts. And my co-host today is Nazi. Nazi, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Nazi. Okay, so part of the reason why I wanted to have Nazi join me on this is number one, I think, Nazi, that you're just a, like a self-expression. You understand the importance of self, self-expression and you're like, you do you, girl, like whatever makes you happy. And we're both, we work together, but we are friends first. And technically I'm Nazi's boss, but I don't feel like that because we were friends first. Like well, sometimes when I describe you to people, I'm like, she's my friend slash boss. Right, <laughs> right. And it's funny because when we got to know each other through the gym, you knew what I did for a living and you had like studied psychology in undergrad, but you were kind of not deciding what you wanted to do next. Yeah, I, I just really didn't know anything about the field. I just really thought that like, I can't do anything in this field until I have a master's degree. And it just made it feel so much more like distant and hard to reach. Totally. But now that you're in it, what is it like? It's totally awesome. (laughs) I love it. I mean, there's definitely times where like any job you're stressed or annoyed or it just feels really good to do something that I feel like I'm helping people with life, like some kind of service. That's also, I think that people that are in this field kind of have a wanting to do things like this. I don't mean podcasts. I mean like having to be able to have like life talks and like as a clinician, that's just kind of by default what happens. Yeah. You're just like life talks all day and all night and it never feels like you're off the clock because you just want to explore everything all the time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think at first it really was hard for me to turn off the clock, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but you know, and that can be like a good and a bad thing, but then I feel like with time and experience that kind of dissipates. Yeah, for sure. As I mentioned, we're both in quarantine and self-isolation and Nazi. So you live with your partner, boyfriend, Mike. Yes. And that's how I met Nazim. So Mike was my trainer at a gym where I used to attend. And that's kind of Nazi joined before you met Mike. Like that's how you guys met essentially, right? right? And it's funny as a bigger person and for those, well, if there's people that haven't seen me that are listening to this podcast, I think that's really cool. I have, I feel like I have a right to do like talk about this because I am a bigger person and something that I'm going to get into later is kind of how I want to put that out there to make fun of myself or I want to put that out there as the no pun intended elephant in the room so that like <laughs> other people don't have to deal with the discomfort. You know what I'm saying? That's just been like the story of my life. Yeah, go ahead. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So as like a bigger person in any environment, like when you see someone that is attractive and smaller than you, or like you have feelings of, there's always a ping of, man, I wish I was like that. And I think that that part is in all of us, but not a, people don't really talk about it openly, right? And when I first saw you, that's one of the things I thought, I, I felt some type of way because number one, I thought you had like, you were attractive and like a nice bob, but you were also wearing an It's Britney bitch shirt. And I was like, <laughs> I want to like her, but I'm not sure if I do. So that's, I guess that's one thing that ends up being a part of someone who's overweight is there's always this barrier or hesitation between connecting with something or someone based upon that like internal fear of our weight or how we feel about ourselves. No, that's totally fair. I feel like that. I feel that way. I think it's cute that you thought I was like, I had a nice body and small because, you know, we're all in our own like world. And in my world, that wasn't a reality. 
(laughs) Right. Well, but I think that's, it's good that you mentioned that from the beginning, because I feel like even though I'm a clinician, I have a really hard time feeling empathetic for people relate in a, in a clinical atmosphere, I can do it. But in a real world scenario, sometimes I have a hard time feeling empathetic when people that are slimmer than me or who clearly look like they quote unquote, have it together more than I do. I kind of, I just kind of want to be like, no, I don't want to hear it. Well, I feel like that's totally normal. I mean, you've been you longer than you've been a clinician. And I think that's something people who aren't in the field don't understand because they think like, well, if you're a therapist or you're this or that, then you should know X, Y, and Z. And that doesn't really like leave room for being a human being who's like flawed and makes mistakes. Has difficult feelings. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. So tell me when, and I know that through like getting to know each other, we've- talked a lot about appearance, image, like when either of us is struggling with health, with eating, with working out. But why is this subject something that is one that like one that even though you're vulnerable about it, you feel comfortable kind of like discussing it? Like kind of making fun of the fact that you're overweight to be the first person to do it, right? Rather than someone else. I've always been that way. I mean, growing up chubby Mm -hmm. uh, with my chubby friends, like that's all we did. We talked about, I mean, we joked about how fat we were and like our fat urges. And like, I mean, we even had nicknames for each other. Like, (laughs) it's funny because my best friend Karen was going back through her box of treasures and she's Mm -hmm. kept like all of the notes we would pass to each other. We've been friends since like ninth grade. She kept all of like birthday cards I gave her and everything and like there was one specifically where I called her Karen Walrus because <laughs> <laughs> it, it rhymes with her last name and I signed it Nazafat. oh my god! because <laughs> my name is I mean I said my name is Nazi but it's actually short for Nazanin right so just a little context of how long I slash we have been calling ourselves fat and making fun of the fact that we're like chubby and overweight and we still do. I mean, I don't call her Karen Walrus anymore. But. Right, right. But it somehow it makes it easier if you can joke with someone else about it. Totally. It makes it so much easier. It makes it less painful, probably. Yeah. And it keep, keeps it more superficial than yeah. like having to think about it. And I guess that's what it, that's what it was a little different for me is, you know, I have a group of pretty consistent friends that I've grown with up with my entire life. I've always been the biggest one. And it was just never something that was discussed. But I think it's because I didn't want to act like it wasn't a thing. But I, I wasn't comfortable enough with who I was as a human to talk about that. As I, as you, I think that like, as you go to college, and you start to feel more comfortable around people that you didn't think you'd like, when you open your eyes to the world and people being different, I right. think it's like you can feel more safe being vulnerable, more so as an adult. I can talk about it openly, but I also think that's because, and this is something I want to chat about in a little bit, is I feel like every part of me my entire life has always overcompensated for my weight, and I do so in my boisterousness, my sense of humor, like I'm kind of like audacious. And I think that I try always was like, well, if I can't be the skinny one, at least I can be the really funny, fat, friendly one. Totally. I totally get that. When I'm not playing that role, I mean, it gets tiring. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah, because you have to be on all the time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but, like, you don't have to be. Like, it's like you're making yourself. Be. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's it's totally something that's built up in our minds. And, like, we take on these other personas depending where we are, who we're around, etc. Totally. I totally agree. Now, you're Persian, correct? Correct. So, how did that, like, and I don't, we both have our own sets of, like, <laughs> I don't know, 
mommy issues, I guess. I think <laughs> most people have mommy issues yeah. or daddy, whatever. Let's not, let's not classify it. Everybody has issues, right? For sure. Um, but typically issues with, with girls and women are deep rooted in their upbringing and in their relationship and exchange with their mothers about weight and health and like happiness right. with a man or woman, mm-hmm. whatever. But culturally for you, like how, how do you think it was different or how, how was that like a part of your upbringing? Well, generally speaking, uh, my mom, as far as I can remember, was always like dieting, always up and down in weight. Um, you know, she always talked about the time when she was young and like, she was so skinny and had such a nice body. And I've seen pictures and she's known she's she had some reproductive issues as she in her late 20s, early 30s, around the time she had me. And that messed with her hormones. And, you know, combined with other things, environmental factors, like issue, marital issues, and all like stress, right, Mm -hmm. depression, things like that. So my mom's always been overweight. I've always known she's been overweight. Being on like, some kind of diet plan to be thin has like literally always been a part of my life and not to not to like blame her or anything that's just like so natural it's been like that for women for like what how long right you know and same here like as you're talking about that and I'm having my cocktail with grapefruit in it it, there was like (laughs) the grapefruit juice diet at one point and I remember my mom did like a cabbage soup diet we did that too. <laughs> Cheers. I mean, I'm thankful now because number one, I love soups and I love cabbage. <laughs> that's um, that's what the, the silver lining here. <laughs> right, exactly. It expanded my um my vegetable repertoire. <laughs> and it's, you know, now I think I can laugh about it more than I did because I've been through kind of my own journey related to losing weight. And I guess I'll give just like a little bit of a background for people that don't know. And I I think the biggest thing for me is like the feelings ingrained and experiences about weight and body image and self-concept are really, really rooted in shame. And Mm -hmm. in my first podcast, I talked about the difference between guilt and shame. And it's like, I never felt guilt would be applicable if I'd done something wrong. I never felt like I was like doing the wrong thing. I don't, it's like, I kind of feel like I was just like born with a C cup and then like I exploded. (laughs) Like (laughs) that was your baseline, (laughs) right? Like, I don't know when it happened because I see pictures of myself. I have periods of my life where I was slimmer and then bigger. Um, But, you know, I think where it really changed for me is when I was like, I don't know, probably like four or five years ago, I just had a really bad experience on an airplane. Like I traveled and you've heard this before, but for other people, I had a really bad flight several years ago and where my hips were so big or my stuff, I was over 300 pounds at one point where like I couldn't clasp the seatbelt. And then on one, one random flight, this like gracious flight attendant saw me trying to like shuffle. And so she gave me an extender and a seatbelt extender. And I like took it and kept it. And I used that with me to travel. There was one trip where, you know, we all got shuffled and put to the back of the plane. And I ended up getting a middle seat, which as a fat slash overweight person, I'm just going to say fat. So fat, just because it's easier, we all know what it means. We all know the, right. you know, the terms and we'll go over that next. But um, so when I say that, I'm not trying to be like insulting to anybody. I'm talking about myself. And I realized after the seats got shuffled that I had accidentally checked my um, seatbelt extender and I was stuck in like the middle seat and like Ugh. both people on either side of me. It's just like I could tell their disgust of like, oh, great. We got stuck next to the fat person. I could you could just feel it. That's and like that. I couldn't even lean forward to like pick up water because I was just so like humiliated. I think that was the moment where I was like, I need to change things and not my eating habits because 
Uh, I am not the type of person. I didn't get this way because I sat around balancing tubs of ice cream on my chest and like throwing wet walnuts (laughs) in my mouth. You know what I mean? Or like. I did. but Okay. (laughs) See, different experiences, right? Similar feelings. So that's like obviously another stereotype, but it's. That's why it was shame. I just felt embarrassed and just like gross. I hope no one's looking. And then, so that was kind of it with me, but it's not like all of those feelings went away. Yeah. You and, just don't necessarily feel them all the time. Exactly. And, you know, the reason I mentioned the balancing ice cream on my stomach, first of all, it would be my breasts if I was going to balance <laughs> any food on anything, just so it's clear. Well, they're rather glorious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> better shelf, better posture. People tend to use the guise of health, quote unquote, to pressure others to get fit, right? Not to say every person who is overweight is unhealthy, but every person who is average weight isn't healthy either. So, but for some reason, fat people are just like fair game. They're fair game to be made fun of. They're fair game to be made an example of. I don't know. It's like, I think that just comes with society. And I think it's a really unsettling feeling. Yeah. And it's really cruel. It's just like the, you look different and I I don't like that. Or God forbid you be like a fat person who's comfortable in their own skin why I don't get it right right exactly well okay so question for you so kind of similar to like my last episode where I talked to my dad about how if I were to describe if he was to describe his family to someone else would he say we were a mixed race because that would be qualifying observation Mm -hmm. if you were to describe someone that you know to someone else and this person happened to be overweight would you include that in your description of that person like okay this is what they do and then they're like well tell me what they look like yeah I think today I wouldn't include that they're overweight but that's a very recent change I think I mean growing up even to maybe like several years ago that would be a part of the description oh they're they're my friend from x y and z they're Mm -hmm. white black whatever they're also kind of overweight right that would just be like my general description but now after like just raising consciousness and like not learning to not fat shame and how like we have been fat shaming and all this stuff in society i feel like now i would not use that as a describer and it's funny because as you were describing the scenario, you're like, oh, they're this, they're that, and they're overweight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, exactly like and, that. And it's slipping in real quick. Right. You know? <laughs> and it's so funny. How, why is it? It's so funny that that's always the determining factor. Why does it even matter? You know, like, who right. cares? Right. Um, are we are we talking about weight loss? Like, it would be different. Are we talking about my friend who lost a ton of weight? We're not, right? Right. We're just talking about my a human, right, who yeah. happens to, like, be voluptuous. What are some of the terms that you've heard people, not in an insulting way, what do you think are some terms, descriptors, to not call someone fat, but to essentially allude to them being overweight or fat? Thick. Okay, thick. That's a good one. I mean, I've definitely been called thick a few times in my life. And, like, I know that it's supposed to be a compliment, but to my brain, I'm like, that is the nicest way you could call me fat, you know? Right. It's like, I know what's under there. Why are you sugarcoating it? I know exactly what you mean. Shaped like an egg. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so thick, curvy. Curvy is another pretty way of calling someone fat. But then again, like some people are actually like for me, when I think of curvy, I think of like a Coke bottle shape, like right. you got all curves going on, you well, know, but I also know that people that, use that to call someone overweight. Right. And but luckily in today's society, words like thick and curvy, it's like I care less about being called that because I would rather have them 
describe me in that way than in any other way. Right, like Rolly or, or just right, that, you know? right, right. <laughs> and it's so funny because we end up compromising. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think it's also important to note that like now in society, it, it's popular to be curvy and have mm-hmm. a nice round plump behind and all those things. But when I was growing up, that Kate Moss rail thin pencil drawn in eyebrow look, that was what was popular. That was what was considered beautiful. Oh, for sure. At where I was growing up in Northern Virginia. And, you know, it evolved to where it is now, which is great because more people look like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> more people are more curvy than they were like more people are actually curvy and have weight on them than they are rail thin. So it's nice that it's changed, but I didn't experience that notion growing up. Growing up, I just always knew I was different. Right. In more ways Mm. than one, but like for sure the fat way too. I also feel like growing up, it's if anybody, if anybody quote unquote had a crush on me, this could be, I'm talking, you know, dating age until probably honestly, up until like a couple years before I met Nate, I feel like there's an assumption that because I'm bigger that I should take what I can get. Like Mm -hmm. it's the best I can get. And then you convince yourself that you're okay with the way you are. Therefore, it's not as shameful to accept that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've even had friends tell me not and you know, it sounds really mean, but I don't think they meant it this way. Because they're all wrapped up in their own unhealthy thinking habits of like self worth and self image and body fat and all that. But I've even had friends tell me like, if I had said something like, Oh, I met a cute guy, they would be like, Well, all you have to do now is lose weight. Right, right. It's like, really? Or how about? But you know, but also as shitty as that was to hear like I agreed with her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. In my mind, I was going to have to try to be like as perfect as possible because I got the bait. Right. And and I can only hold up this optical illusion. You should be thankful. Right. Exactly. Grateful for the crumbs are given. Totally. Yeah. So culturally, at least in my little world of Persians, um, Persians are very social, outgoing, like always hanging around family or family friends. Family friends are just like an extension of family, really. So growing up, my parents would, you know, have parties every weekend or go to parties every weekend. And like the women, like my mom's friends, they would be like my aunts. We'd call them aunts and they call my mom. Like those kids would call my mom aunts. So I didn't get called fat, chubby, but like in a helpful way, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, honey, you're so much chubbier this time than last time or blah, blah, blah. It's like, if I didn't call that, like, if your aunt didn't call you fat growing up, was she even your aunt? Right. It was just that it was just common and not weird. And it was Mm -hmm. just like, oh, great. This is the aunt that calls me fat all the time. So I'm just gonna have to mentally prepare that I'm gonna get called fat tonight. It sucked. And then even when you are like, maybe, you know, you're experiencing like some random bout of thinness, because you are a child, they would be like, Oh, you look so good. Did you lose weight last time? You looked horrible. But oh, my God, you look so much better now. You're like, I'd mono. Thanks. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's it's so fun. Well, not funny, but it's just it's really interesting to hear you say that because it was never so, I never heard a thing from extended family member. I don't know. I feel like some people 
and I, I don't, I don't know how to say this other than this way. Like, I feel like some people saw me for like how I wanted to be seen and I loved that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but I think that for me, like the shame that I felt associated to my weight was related to being denied access to things. I'm talking like a therapist. Yeah. (laughs) Even in like the, either the way that things were cooked or presented in the house or like, just the shame of getting a look or like as someone that is overweight. And even when I was dating before, I would make sure to never order anything on the menu that could be associated with something a fat person would eat. Uh, right. You know, and it, yeah. and it gets so complex or even the way that I sit when I'm at a social gathering, right? I, right. I want to be able to sit in a way that my fat isn't showing or I don't have back fat or is there a way that I can sit with the pillow? It's a really yeah. exhausting existence sometimes. Oh my God. It's so exhausting. It's so exhausting. Can you imagine? Like, I wonder if there are people who are like, wow, I can't believe that, you know, you have to think about this all the time. Or like at one point you had to think about this all the time, but yeah, totally. Totally. Yes, exactly. And that's something that I feel, and I don't want to narrow this down to like things skinny people just don't understand, but disclaimer, right disclaimer right now like if you are skinny and you don't have qualms with your weight or in your head you fat shame then parts of this are going to make you feel like you should feel uncomfortable it's yeah. an uncomfortable I mean, thing it's not even it's not even to make like a skinny person feel bad but like just maybe be aware that turbulent it is in the minds yeah. of people who are overweight or like have self-image issues with right. their body right and you don't have you don't have to be overweight to have that you know exactly and i want to grow closer to Because empathy is obviously something that like I have and I feel like I do it well. When it comes to things that target my insecurities, I don't do a good job. And I have a lower tolerance for that. And that's something that like I'm trying to work on, which is also why I want to be able to discuss it openly. It's easy to have it for other people, right? Especially for work. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to yourself, it's just so hard. Absolutely. Now, what about we talked about, you know, how it was kind of socialized in our family and in social settings. What about at work? What are the experience? Have you had personal experience related to your image in comparison to others at work? Anything like that? I don't think so. I don't think I've had any kind of experience like that. No. That's good. Yeah, thankfully. Yeah. I think that. Have you? Yeah. I think that for me, as a woman who I used to be, I mean, I'm still bigger. I know I'm not the correct BMI, but excuse me. F-U-C-K, the BMI, because that's not even a real thing. I mean, I mean it is, but it shouldn't be. People don't even realize how ancient that equation is. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But maybe from now on, I'm going to travel around with a fat measure and I'm just going to pinch people and let them know what, what's really up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh You're my part God. of the problem now, Jess. <laughs> ah, I'm deteriorating COVID. Ah. <laughs> but... As when I was, God, I was like a size 24 or 26 at my biggest. And to even say that makes me feel sick to my stomach, but it is what it is. But honestly, even when I fit into them, I still felt like a clown. The offer, the offers for the fashion or the clothing, the availability for women of that size, it's loud, it's intense. What are they doing trying to make you stick out even more? The world doesn't want us to blend in. Right. So I think that's how, honestly, Nas, I think that's how I got really good at doing makeup Mm. because I would have all these crazy clothes and I would always be told, oh my God, Jess, you have such a pretty face. Well, this is a conundrum because my head's attached to the rest of my body. I'm not a floating head. (laughs) I hated that compliment. Right. Thanks. It sounds like that's not a compliment though. Like, (laughs) right. But right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But for me, either 
sometimes still it's either I'm frumpy, I wear something that I don't feel like fits my body well, but the opposite is potentially risking it being too tight and being misconstrued as slutty. Oh, I'm totally with you. I like flowy things. I don't like things that are too tight Mm -hmm. or I like them to be tight in the right places to where like my gut can hang freely, you know, and I know like I remember telling my mom that when she wore bigger things versus even if she wore something tight that accentuated her roles, I remember her looking better in the tighter clothes. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling her that. But she still would go for the looser clothes. And I do that now. Uh, And I think about that. Like, I wonder if I actually look better in the tighter clothes, but I feel better in the the looser clothes. And that's what's hard. That's what it should be about, how you feel. But how we feel is so wrapped up in how others perceive us. It's really hard to separate the one from the other. Right, 100%. And I also think that's kind of where I grew, like, a, a shopping addiction. I mean, I've curbed it. I still shop more than, like, the average bear whale just kidding (laughs) but it doesn't it doesn't like soothe me like it used to yeah I mean also to be fair it's hard to shop right now because of what are we shopping for you know just with this COVID thing happening but I get that so there was a point in my early 20s late teens early 20s where I lost a ton of weight and I think that's where my shopping addiction started. Okay. And you just kind of like rack up debt as you go. Right. But I remember at my skinniest, 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 like when I look back at those pictures now, and I think I've showed them to you before, it's like, God damn, you are hot. Right. But I could describe how I felt in each and every one of those pictures, and it was the complete opposite. Completely insecure, still thinking I'm fat. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, does this dress make me look fat? Or I feel fat as shit in this dress. Like, those were my thoughts. But when you look back at those pictures, it's like, oh, my God, like, eat a burger, you know? But at the time, like, my skinniest, skinniest, quote-unquote, hottest, I was the most insecure with my body. yeah. I hear what you're saying and I say, yeah, because like I hear what you're saying, but I cannot at all empathize with that feeling. I know. You know what I'm saying? But that's why it's interesting yeah. because I look back at pictures when, and again, this is something that I'm working on when I was my biggest and I'm like, you're disgusting. Like, how mm-hmm. could you let yourself do that? And mm-hmm. then when I look at pictures of myself, you know, 20, 30 pounds smaller than I am now, at my smallest, I'm like, ugh. I wish you could get back there. I don't know if it's going to be possible. It's hard to not get stuck in that like really negative limbo as opposed to seeing one side and having it motivate you. Oh, no. Yeah. What you're describing is like shame on both fronts. Totally there. I mean, I I don't look I want to say I look at those pictures and get motivated, but I don't. So (laughs) I look at those pictures and I feel exactly what you said. Like, oh, man, these were the good old days. Like, why can't you just get back to this? You know, and you'll appreciate it this time, I swear. (laughs) And then I look look at the fatter pictures, probably a picture of myself now. I think this might be the heaviest that I've been in a long time. And then look at that picture and be like, oh, my God, what have you done? always some kind of shame never anything else really right and it's like when you're like sometimes when you're at your slimmest you're like man I feel so good I'm never gonna let myself get to that again so 100 percent. and then you're like you see it's not so hard right what is it do you get like cocky and you're just like I'm just gonna be thin forever no matter what and you go back to your old habits I think the confidence sometimes you have to work to maintain the confidence you gain Mm -hmm. right right but I still have confidence and that's where you're 
I have conflict related to my weight because I want to do it <laughs> for me, not because of as of like my fear of the outside or the comments or the passive aggressiveness. Right. That I'm getting. <laughs> yeah. I hear you 100%. I hear you and I see you. Oh, um, thanks, Oprah. I think it's it's important. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Anyone knows me, that's the biggest compliment. <laughs> I think it's important to say, because you mentioned that, like, you're emotionally happier now, and I totally am, too. I am emotionally very happy and content. And, yeah, of course, I'd like to be thin. I'd like to be healthy. I'd like to not worry about getting diabetes. It runs in my family. But my life isn't so much driven by the number on the scale anymore. And once upon a time, it was. It really right. was. Right. And and that's what's hard when it's solely driven by that number, right? Like nothing else in life matters as much as that does. And I think that that's when people start to lose the true connection of the process of losing weight and bettering yourself overall, not just like yeah. the visual. 100%. The, if the scale was off by like two, three pounds, like my whole day would be ruined. Uh -huh. And it took, I think I was like moving and I just decided to throw my scale away and not bring it along with me. And I don't know how many years ago that was, maybe like five. I feel like I've never been happier yeah. because my day doesn't get ruined by how much I weigh. I mean, on the other hand of that, I don't really weigh myself that much, which is probably not good, especially just quarantine life. You just eat all the snacks because that's mm -hmm. all there is to do. Um, ironically, my boyfriend and I are starting a weight loss challenge with his family mm -hmm. tomorrow. So tonight is weigh-in and I've had so much anxiety about not just, oh my God, I have to face face what my weight is because I don't think I've, I've weighed myself since like January. So I have anxiety over like knowing what my weight is and then sharing that with like six other members of his family. Like, oh my God, kill me, you know? But in that, okay, so in that scenario... Are you expecting, like, we know people are going to have thoughts, regardless of what the number is, whether it's like the number's too big, the number's bigger than you thought or smaller than you right. thought, right? And it's human nature, but it's, yeah, no, that anxiety is real. And, you know, Nate and I, like, shortly after you and Mike did the Whole30, Nate and I did it, and I kind of had, like, a mi very, very mini outbursts. Like, it was like a spurt the other day because, you know, we both are, like, pretty open when, like, we don't feel good about ourselves but Nate is so loving and protective of me that sometimes when I talk bad about myself like even in an over overcompensation jokey jokey way he's like it's hurtful when you talk about yourself like that because of how much he cares about me but when he does it I just get I get irritated because but in my mind the thought is that was your number on the scale like I can't even with you you know what I mean it's yeah you're like that's nothing you don't right. you can't yeah. But and that's not fair because like I know that everyone has their own stuff with it. So sometimes right. that's why I feel really, really defensive when people try to comment on my weight journey. That's why I feel, you know, my mom and I like for years, you know, we've had a lot of discussion and intensity and tension around this and it's ebbed and it's flowed. And I think that's the root of why I get so defensive is because like it's my thing. Yeah. It's mine. Stop talking about it. Like everyone. Like stop how is it going to make me it, it's hard enough for me to control it so the commentary certainly isn't going to do anything but right. shake the boat and we already talked we talked about how much all of this even the good is rooted in shame yeah. so 
how much does it suck to have everyone bring this up all the time mm-hmm. and have you regurgitate those feelings from everyone else's point of view too. Absolutely. And I think it's also because the world, that's something that I, I've always joked about going shopping back in the day at department stores. I remember going into typically the best place to park at a department store is on the top level because there's usually a lot of parking um, mm-hmm. and it's where the kitchen is and the mattresses, but also where the plus size section is. So I would always go into a, you know, a store with like Mel or whoever. And I'd be like, all right, well, I'll be up here in women's world. And in case I get (laughs) hungry, I'll make something in the kitchen. And then if I'm tired from being so fat and shopping for all these big balloony clothes, then I'll take a nap on a mattress. And she's like, all right, (laughs) I'll be downstairs and ladies. It's like... (laughs) How strategic. Right. It's like, oh, you get to be a lady, but I get to be like a woman in this world. (laughs) I'm as big as a world. (laughs) Right. They spin me around and plot me on a mattress, will ya? Oh my god. It's like did you go to? (laughs) Every Macy's, dude. Oh my god. And the other day I like through JCPenney and be by the other day I mean like four months ago because quarantine. I walked through JCPenney and they have a husky girl section. Husky girls. That's what they changed it to in 2020. For plus size juniors. It's now husky. So like, like a kind of mob. Yes. <laughs> that's so sad. Describing a 13 year old girl as husky. <laughs> so Whoever marketing. I-, I can't. I just can't with that. And I also think the clothing brands. Places like Lululemon and like all of these brands that are clearly what skinny people wear. I feel like they don't make bigger sizes because they don't want to include fat people in their demographic. They're like, let's keep them separated. They can no, you're one hundred percent right. They can go to dress. 100%. They can go to dress barn. Yeah, <laughs> they can go to dress barn. They where the pigs? To... Where the pigs and cows go? <laughs> What's the men's one like? Big and tall XXL or something? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, exactly. are you kidding me? Um, yeah, no, it's so messed up. I think that that has just better for my wallet that I'm in this limbo stage right now because of the insecure part of me wants to be like, well, guess I need to go all the way back to plus size. And there's no way I can just buy the size I was buying before because that's not where I am. But then like I'll get into this thing in my head and then the first part of any website I'll click on is curve or plus size. And I'm like, Jessica, stop. Just stop. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. And then just making it one more step closer to abusive is like the skinny clothes you don't want to get rid of. Yes. And refusing to buy clothes that actually fit you because, I mean, just me and my friends, the way we joke about that is I'm not going to reward myself for this body by buying it new clothes. Right. And I don't, then, I don't and want to be comfortable. So all you have are like skinny clothes and the clothes that barely fit you. Right. So it's like, what do you wear? You have a parachute or a handkerchief. Choose wisely. (laughs) (laughs) It's so bad. That's what I mean, whatever pop culture, social media, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's great. It's terrible. We all know. I, I don't mean to minimize it. I think that one of the biggest things that we see in quote unquote fat culture is all of the famous fat actors have the fat funny shtick. They fit, people fit them into a mold because of what they could offer. Because they can't offer anything except for being funny and making fat jokes about themselves. Rebel Wilson cannot stand, 
because she's she's like the obnoxious obnoxious overweight predator always creepily flirting with men you're weird you're funny you get it and then you look hot for a second and then someone comments on your boobs and then you fall in love no yeah it's like it's such a typecast it is and i mean it already sucks for women in in what we're allowed to be in terms of acting and role well, it, what you said, like, what can a fat person be? Well, they certainly can't be a sex symbol, right? Because nope. that's what all the other women have to be. Well, and if they, they are, they're they're known for being the big, the big star. Yeah, like, look, she's sexy, even though she's fat. Right, exactly. <laughs> she wears double digits, but oh my, what a looker. I'd still do her. Right. <laughs> um, one of my favorite favorite movies of all times is shallow Hal, and it's like so funny but it's so mean it's so oh my god okay me and my mom (laughs) that was one of our favorite movies ever when it came out like you know obviously to vhs Mm -hmm. but wow how problematic now like a movie like that would never be made can (laughs) you imagine and of course it was like gwyneth paltrow as she is versus like someone the size of gilbert grape's mom and it was a real person. It was. I mean, there was times where she wore a fat suit, but like it was also like times where it was a real person. Exactly. Exactly. And so what? Yeah. That that person that was the real version who how did she audition for that role? Be the be the one the really big one that's oddly dressed with a ton of cellulite and your back's always going to be to the camera. Congratulations. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your Oscar. Right. It's just so uh, it's so messed up. But again, I think that number one, that's why, again, being fat is fair game. But then someone like me, it's like if I'm watching that movie, well, I wouldn't watch that movie with someone I don't get along with. But I can imagine being in a moment if I saw that movie and there was someone there, I would make the funny about being fat before they made a comment about that person being fat. I would rather feel uncomfortable than have them. Yeah, I, I get it. Like make some comment like I feel you, sis. You know, right, like like. Oh, those are solidarity. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Idea is circumstance, but they exist for a reason. And you and I laugh about this a lot. Kind of things that skinny people just like don't understand. Things that we have prepare for that people who are skinny, like they just don't get it. On a really intense end of the spectrum, obviously for me, it's the seatbelt thing. That's a very rare or maybe not rare. I mean, I have no idea circumstance, but they exist for a reason. Except for now, they fucking make you buy two seats if you're overweight. Oh, my God. That's so unfair. It's so gross. I mean, it's I can see why. Yeah. You know, it's someone would listen and think that it is fair, but it just sucks. Like, just think about it from that person who a real human just like you has feelings, has ups, has downs. Like, how much does that suck? Well, and that's the thing. I think that people don't see that person. I think they see someone fat. Yeah. You know, it's like that's if you're overweight. You asked for it. I mean, you did this to yourself. Right. If Yep. If, if you're overweight, your feelings are second tier to what you've done to your body to make you look like that, right. to make me uncomfortable, to be brushing my thigh against yours on an airplane. Right. Anyway, but a big one is chafing. Oh, my God. I got the chub rub so bad. Okay. But I've used deodorant. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this one. So you rub my- it on your thighs? Oh, yeah. So, okay. So I thought I forgot we're talking about. um, So when you're overweight and you have thick, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, thighs in the summertime, if you're wearing a dress, if you're wearing shorts, Mm -hmm. your thighs rub together. And 
it chafes. We call it chub rub. Mm-hmm. Um, so something you can do is to alleviate the friction by putting deodorant, like rubbing the deodorant on your thighs where they would rub, as well as there's like anti-chafe cream. There's even like little like chafe sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to carry those religiously. I, I did. I mean, even last summer I had them. But there's one brand that I'll share with you later that I like the most mm-hmm. uh, that I felt the best but yeah it does not feel good applying that (laughs) no or walking and then realizing that you need to reapply like how do I do this you know (laughs) right if you're with a group of people or something like absolutely and and I would just be like brb gonna go gonna go deal with my chafing guys yeah like having to be open I mean because it depends on what group of people I'm with like with my friends like totally I wouldn't even I would just do it right in front of them but like but yeah, there's something about making it a joke to where it's less shameful. It's like a less of a shameful secret. Right. Absolutely. And I don't know, maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe that's just your like way of yeah. not letting it cut so deep, I guess. Absolutely. Personally, and, I don't care yeah. about the chafe. Right. It's like if I'm with someone and they have a problem with me using the chafe, I'd be like, why are you even in my life? That being said, I don't have... That's the good part about like coming to a point in my life where despite how I look, I feel better internally is like, I don't keep people in my orbit because I'll take what I can get. I keep people in my orbit that deserve to be here and like who reciprocate the same kind of love and, you know, whatever. 100%. And that comes with age and maturity because 20 something year olds, I mean, for me, I can't speak for everyone else, but when I was a 20 something year old, I just kind of went with the flow and speaking up for myself wasn't really... You know, it wasn't I wouldn't I would rather hang out with my group of friends, even if there was someone there that didn't make me feel good. Uh, rather exactly. Than out. Right. And that, you know, you know, you have if you're, you know, being in this like Northern Virginia area, it's like you have people that you know your, your entire life. And right. I can't think of anybody that I have in my life right now that has ever made a comment about my weight or and I mean, the one person and like feel like the last I would say 10 years that was like part of my friends that is no longer the last like exchange I have with this person was like this person literally like in an email said commented on my weight like you're fat etc look in the mirror and then at the end of the day and it was over something I don't even remember what it was over but I will tell you what strict I don't care how old you are well we were adults but like I will never forgive that person for that it's not even about forgiving it's I'm not going to tolerate that because someone who has that in their heart enough to say to someone that is a good friend you that was your last chance ever 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 you know what that I mean? is so ugly and gross and yeah. it would just make me feel like you've always thought that and you know and that's part of it it's, I know that people I know that people think things even when I lost a, t- a lot of weight and I would see someone that I hadn't seen in two years they'd be like oh my god Jess you look so good okay so was I snuffleupagus before was <laughs> I, like like I get it but stop <laughs> I know it's such a double-edged sword because it, it makes you feel good obviously to receive a compliment like that especially I know how hard you worked to right. lose all the weight and like just change your lifestyle so it's just so it's like a positive reinforcement but yes. it just always ends up even like in the slightest little way being backhanded compliment and I don't know if it's just the way we perceive it because I know it's not intended that way right well I'm gonna pose something to you that kind of along those lines you know, when I was, you know, really big, there was this, there was this person that I knew through multiple people. And I don't know what it is. But when I was at that point in my life, if someone was bigger, 
I felt like I could automatically trust them. Mm. I just felt like there was like a barrier. It, it was already less of a challenge. Like there was already a mutual yeah. understanding, right? Yeah, kindred spirits. Exactly, exactly. And then I remember I met this person through mutual people. We worked out at the same place, not not the place that we met each other. Um, this mm-hmm. was like years ago. And then I remember I didn't see this person for like a year. And then I saw them again. And she was like almost unrecognizable. And she lost so much weight in the moment, like dumbfounded. Holy shit. But I had this pit in my stomach because so many feelings were, oh my God, Jess, you're disgusting. How could, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it it takes away from how amazing that is. And it made it like about me. But then I asked this person, dude, tell me. And then she was like, you know, yada, 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 working out, really strict diet. And I swear to you, like, for some reason, like cried and it was like on my mind for weeks. And then I happened to talk to another person, the one who I met this person through. And mm-hmm. eventually... I didn't bring up this experience, but out of nowhere, she mentioned that this person had had gastric bypass. Oh. And I was like, she lied to me. You know what? That is maybe the fourth time that I have heard someone having gastric bypass and lying about it. Why? If I had gastric, it would be, I would be like the poster child for it. It would be. Right. No, no hiding it. Like, guess what I did? You know? Right. Like, but then, I don't know, there's that shame. Exactly. You felt, you felt shame even, like, your reaction to her right. weight loss, it made you feel shameful. Right. So, it, But there was something so unsettling about it. And I was like, I cannot trust this person. Because this person would lie to my face about something that I felt connected us. It was just, it was a yeah. really weird feeling. Oh, that is so, okay. But something that connected us. So it's right. kind of like a betrayal. Right. But it's, this person wasn't my best friend, but we could talk about something that meant this much. Right. So why it, wouldn't you share that? It was weird. It was weird. But, so it's, her, it's, but it's her truth to tell. That's what's weird. Yeah. Like on the other hand, it's their truth to tell. But that's still a lie. <laughs> See, it's so intense. It's so, it's so deep rooted in so many things. Mm-hmm. It, and I feel like even now, I do anything about it. If I were to go, like, depending on who I was with, like, part of being Persian is what helped me, like, not. Mm-hmm. And I think that at the end of the day, like, it's really about removing the shame from that feeling. If you're, why sit in it and wallow? Culture is like, is honestly like the center of our culture is the food. You don't have right. a right to feel shame if you're not going to do anything about it. I get that. I mean, and I think like just a part of being Persian is what helped me like not like get over that because it, a part of the vicious cycle of like being called fat all the time is that our food is so delicious and like uh, our whole culture is like is honestly like the center of our culture is the food and everything else is like around it and most of the food involves rice. Literally all of it involves rice. So it's like, how can you be shoveling all this rice down my throat, getting me addicted to it, and then calling me fat? Like, how unfair. But growing up, I was just kind of used to it. I was just used to, like, some of my aunts making note with their eyes of how many bites I'm taking or how many times I come for seconds. Right. Or that was always, always a part of my brain. Actually felt more comfortable and vulnerable. I don't know. I think that's one of those things with age that I just like, I don't care. Like, you're going to think I'm fat no matter what. So, right. Well, exactly. <laughs> that's the the whole notion of you can't control what other people think or do. You can only control what you think or do. I feel like if people actually felt more comfortable and vulnerable or point something out about someone else, it, it's live in that position and like practice in that space a little more. Obviously, these complex feelings wouldn't exist. It's freaking yeah. food. I know. And that's the thing. And, you know, 
was going to say, and you know, when, when someone takes the time to like make a mean comment or point something out about someone else, it, it's coming from a place, it's about them, not about the other person, right? right? I can't expect the world to accommodate. How do we as a society get people in touch with that feeling that causes you to lash out at someone else? Yeah. Even in a very like passive aggressive, maybe a little way. Right. Yes, exactly. And I think that part of that is, I mean, not as an overweight person, I can't expect the world to accommodate to me, but I'm not going to live in isolation because I don't think I fit in their world. Like it's my world too. Right. Absolutely. And I think, I don't know. I mean, it seems like society is moving forward in that direction mm-hmm. of like inclusivity. Yeah. I mean, not just gray people, but everyone, unless that's like a nice bubble that I'm living in. <laughs> Seriously. Well, <laughs> but, right now it's your quarantine bubble. It's a great, it's a great bubble to live in for now. It's a great bubble to live in for now. Actually, I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> depending, on, depending on the day, not to like make you feel some type of way, but what does this challenge include? So, okay, so it's seven people and everyone puts in $100. So at the end of May is our final weigh-in and whoever loses the most weight, like pounds on the scale, wins. Are there any rules about in terms of how you do it? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, we're having our first weigh-in tonight, but I don't think there's any rules or anything like that other than like you have to share your weight every week. Especially... But if I don't know, we might talk about it tonight. I don't see why there should be because we're not like going to do the same things. Well, that's exciting. I ordered Chinese food last night and we had it is Lord knows I need some motivation. I've just been I mean, I know like a lot of people have, but like quarantine time has just been any and all the things, especially since I learned that we're going to be doing this challenge. We're just like food bucket list. What else? Right. I'm going to fit it all in. What else? Like I ordered Chinese food last night and we had some of it today. And like as we're eating, Mike is like planning what time he's going to order the pizza from his favorite pizzeria. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have to weigh in at seven tonight. So like essentially we can't eat past seven. Real crunch time today to get it all in. That in and of itself is so unhealthy. I like know. how do you change that way of thinking? Like that's where I'm stuck now. Now it's not – yeah, of course, I want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. I want to have a nice body. Who doesn't? But I really, really, really want to change the way I think and feel about food. How can I just have it in a balance where it's not any kind of extreme? I'm not deprivating and I'm not overdoing. Like where is that sweet spot? That's that's my goal now. Where is that sweet right. spot? Well, and I think that what you mentioned like a couple minutes to kick myself into gear. The problem is our association with whatever the end game is. Yeah, and it's short term. The the notion of motivation, right? If the notion of this this group existing gives you motivation, then that's good. And in your mind, yeah, the money would be great. But on the other hand, it's an excuse to really get some motivation to kick myself into gear. The problem is our association with whatever the end game is. Yeah, and it's short term. It's exactly. It's not like, I mean, it could be a lasting change, but just knowing my track record, I doubt it. <laughs> how do I make that last? How do we make that lasting change of maintaining? You know? Yeah. Ultimately, it's about your your relationship with your body. We know exactly what we need to do to make the change physically, make the changes. Right. But it, I think at any moment, like it depends on your mood and your relationship. Like there are some days where. Like, I'll feel so resentful of myself that I either I won't eat or it could be a day where I eat stuff that I shouldn't. You know what I mean? It just 
I wish that we could use our powers for good and not evil. That's what life comes down to. And, you know, it's my therapist was telling me this because it's like so logical. But, you know, anyway, I I was telling her about how I was like eating really grossly and I felt gross about myself. And she's like, well, if you're going to eat the bad thing, why not enjoy it? I mean, you're not going to not eat it. So just enjoy it while you're eating it. That makes total sense. But I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, it's just that that shame is so deep rooted and there's is. so much history. It's so intense. Well, Nazi, here's to hoping that we come out of quarantine with less shame. And that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Less shame. Okay. I like it. that. That's a great way to end. Let's let's come out of quarantine with less shame about ourselves mm-hmm. in, in every respect, yep. not just our It doesn't matter about any of the other stuff. Just like less shame would be like better fuel for whatever happens next, I think. Yeah totally agree well Nazi thank you so much this is so this was so fun to do with you thank you for having me this is like a dream come true oh my gosh stop I remember when you were telling me that you were going to start a podcast and I was just kind of like okay so tell me about our podcast like what are we going to do on it (laughs) so thank you for including oh my gosh no problem okay well all nine of you for tuning in thank you so much um and Nazi thank you so much for joining me you are just such a sweet little angel such a joy thank you so much for having me no prob and next episode will be nate and i talking about dating life trajectory etc and i can't wait to make him feel uncomfortable (laughs) oh my god i cannot wait i cannot wait (laughs) me neither all right thank you everybody um be safe oh and i'm just gonna put like a little like annotation here my first episode i talked a lot about like how i don't wash my hands <laughs> it's changed i am not the reason i changed uh, you know, my ways you should have started the episode with that <laughs> well i've learned how in fact may as well go do it <laughs> you heard it here folks wash your hands Ding. <laughs>